morning, everyone. I got a few verses that I'd like to read this morning as we study God's Word together. Um, first, I'd like, I'd, I'd like for you to look at, uh, on the screens, there's um, a little bit of the passage that I'd like to look at, and then uh, there's some on your, on your worship folder as well. We kinda, I actually gave Ashley next week's passage, so you're ahead a week, uh, so save it. Uh, so we're going to have a little bit from here, and then we're going to jump back to uh, what's on your worship folder. So I don't know if you can hold two things at once, but I believe in you. So uh, John seventeen six. I just want to read that first verse there, just verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now, I want to jump over to verse 10 for a minute, all the way to verse 10. Look, it says, all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Okay? Now, jump onto your, your worship folder. There's a pa- the passage there. The very last uh, few sentences, this is important that we catch this. Jesus is speaking here. He's speaking to his father. He says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Now, there are two words that I would like to focus on for this time together this morning. And they are the word mission and the word glory. All right, so I'd like you to get used to those two words. So look at somebody around you and look at them really, really, really passionately. Say mission and glory. Now, if you're from the South, you can make glory extend for long glory or something like that. All right? You make it go for a while. Okay? All right, mission and glory. Okay, this is... This is, this is the heart of what we want to talk about this morning. Now, here, here is the premise that I give to you about these two words. If you get your mission, you will never be unhappy. And if you understand what true glory is and you embrace it, you will never be empty. If you get your mission... No matter what the circumstances that happen in your life, if you're really and truly, you are sold out on mission, and it's a worthy mission, you will not be an unhappy person. And if you know what is truly glory, you will not be empty. Let me tell you a little bit about these things. Let's let's talk first about mission. When When the Bible teaches that there are two elements of a true mission. And without both elements, if you just have one of them, you're, you're not complete. They're both elements. The first element is this, that you were made for a cause that is bigger than yourself. There is something in you that longs for more than just getting your needs met. Because, frankly... If you get all your needs met, you'll be just as empty and unhappy as when you didn't have all your needs met. 
You want something. You were made for something bigger, more wonderful than yourself. But there are many people who have causes that are bigger than themselves and are incredibly frustrated. You must also have a power that is bigger than you to accomplish that mission and to change the world. You must have a power that is higher, a force that is greater, that you know and that you have confidence in will change the world. This is, this is why you cannot be on mission with Jesus without being filled with the Holy Spirit. And you cannot simply be dabbling with the Holy Spirit and not be on mission with Jesus. Now, I, I, can tell, I want to tell you two quick stories on this. There, one of the guys that I went to school with, we were friends. We weren't close friends. But he was a passionate person about the mission of saving unborn children. He was so passionate about it, but he was not convinced that God would actually change the world. That he took a shotgun and killed an abortion doctor. And did it in the name of his mission. See, he believed in his cause. He didn't believe he had a power that was greater than a shotgun. See, you got to have both. You got to have both. You got to have both. I mean, what is it in the end? What is it that, that, that makes you sacrifice unless it's bigger than you? What is it that makes you forego other things unless it's more powerful and you're convinced something good is going to come of this? Think about this with me. One, the Bible says Jesus didn't begin his, his own per personal public ministry till he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Well, it means one of the things it means is Jesus did his mission in his humanity. 100% God, fully God, fully man. But he chose not to do his mission in his deity. If he had done his mission in his deity, he could have been doing it from day one. He chose to do it in his spirit-filled, spirit-anointed humanity. And so it wasn't until the Father said, now, that he began his public ministry. Jesus was resurrected from the dead. 120, uh, actually over 500 people saw him, but the 120 gathered in the upper room were told, just pray. Now, you would think that as soon as they saw the resurrected Christ, they would have been told, go out and tell everybody. No, they said, go to a prayer meeting. Jesus left the prayer meeting. That 120 we're told not to leave till they had experienced the gift, the promise of the Father. They were not allowed to have their public ministry till they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. In other words, you cannot, you cannot have a cause greater than yourself unless you also have a power greater than yourself. But that 120 men and women, they were able to turn the world upside down. You are here today because of that prayer meeting. You understand what I'm saying? You're being called. Jesus is calling us to mission, to be on mission with them, 
But he's also calling us to ally ourselves, to align ourselves with a power that's equally greater than ourselves. Well, think about this. I, I think you can break down in, in Jesus' prayer here. And John 17 is, is, is really a pattern of prayer like the Lord's prayer, pattern of prayer. And in this prayer, we are, Jesus is revealing his heart. And Jesus speaks basically, I think, of two things here that clarify the mission. First is this. He clearly says that his mission was to glorify the Father. He makes it clear that that was the purpose of his mission. And then he makes it clear in this passage that your mission, if you choose to accept it, your mission... <laughs> Your mission is to glorify Jesus. See, Jesus doesn't give the generic mission of telling people about God. He gives the specific mission of telling people how to come to God only through salvation in Jesus Christ alone. Our mission is not to just let people know there is a God. Our mission is to let them know how they come into an intimate relationship with the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let me unpack that a bit for you. In verse 6, which we read to you, it said, Jesus says, I have revealed your name. In other words, here, here's what Jesus is saying. In his prayer to the Father, he's saying, mission accomplished. He is saying, I have accomplished the mission that you gave me. And the mission that the Father gave him was to reveal the Father's glory. And why does that matter? Well, it matters when you begin to understand what glory is. See, the, most, the single most important thing, when you really study theology closely, the most important thing to God is his glory. He's, he's protective of it. He's jealous of it. He does not share it with others. He is glorious. And he wants you to know his glory. He, he's, he sent his only begotten son so that you would know the glory of the Father. Now, glory simply means anything that has weight to it. Something that matters. It has to do with the contrast between what is temporary and what is permanent. See, anything that is weighty, permanent, something that truly matters, that is glory. Now, the way that I like to illustrate this, or at least the Lord has shown me this, is that um, any of you ever go whitewater rafting? When I used to live in Georgia, I loved going whitewater rafting. And, you know, we would take the whole church, and, and we would come back with less than we left with. But uh, <laughs> only leaving behind the ones we didn't like, you know. But, uh, uh, you know. We would go to, there's uh, Tennessee, the Ocoee, or, or North Carolina, we'd go to the Nantahala. And it was so powerful. They'd be class four, class five rapids. And, and if you took a guide, they always wanted to get you out of the boat. They always wanted to make you, like, somehow go through one that would just make everybody fall out of the boat. And they would always tell you, if you ever fall out of the boat, you don't go face forward. You don't go head forward down the rapids. You've got to get your feet in front of you. And one of the things that would happen is the way the rapids would come, you didn't know if you were going forward or backwards. You weren't in control, but you just tried to keep your feet up and keep your head up. And sometimes you'd look up, and the water would be coming, the river, the rapids would be coming. And what I, what I 
I realized this morning is many of you feel like that. Overwhelmed, overcome, water coming at you, rapids. Maybe you're at a class four right now. Now, maybe some of you just down on the lazy river. I don't know, but, uh, but, but many of you feel overwhelmed. You know, oh, the river coming at you, turning you this way, turning you that way, sometimes sinking you, sometimes making you go fast. But if you look in the river, there's something of glory in the river. It's the one thing that's weighty, the one thing the water cannot move, and that's the rocks. See, the rocks are the glory. The rocks matter. The rocks don't move. The water moves for the rock. The Old Testament, it says it this way. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. See, the only, the only rock that there is is Jesus. The only true glory is the glory of God revealed in his son, Jesus. The only rock that you can hold on to in the river when the rapids are coming and you're getting overwhelmed, the only rock you can hold on to, the only permanent thing, the only thing that will outlast the water is Jesus. And sometimes, you see, you almost have to fall into the river to realize you need saving. Because if you're just in the boat, then the rocks don't seem so threatening. But when the water's moving and the rapids are flowing, suddenly you're like, I need glory now. See, in some ways, what we're really talking about, and it's so interesting to me, because Jesus said, I've revealed. In other words, Jesus says, mission done, mission accomplished. The revelation of the glory of God, of what really matters, Jesus did it. He he revealed the glory of the Father, the glory of God, the glory of the love of God. And so, I mean, any of us in this room, if we think we want to change the world, if we think we want to make the world a better place, the Son of God said the way to do it was to reveal the glory of the God who made this world. See, some of us want to change things morally. We want to change things politically. We want to change things psychologically. Jesus said the only change that's going to that's going to overcome the current of the river of this desperate world is a rock that is higher and immovable. And that's the glory of God. And so on a personal level, this begins to translate to say, what is it that matters most to you? I think it's fascinating right now in our culture, we're having to fight for lives. We're having to say lives matter. You know why we're having to say lives matter? Because when you no longer have a God, there no longer is anything glorious and therefore nothing matters. And if nothing matters, then it doesn't matter if you're black, white, if you're Asian, if you're Hispanic, you don't matter. This is a theological fight, not a sociological fight. This is a fight that unless we get to a bedrock reason that we all matter, then everybody is at stake. It just happens that at times those who seem most powerless or those who seem most oppressed have a clear sense, I'm in the river. 
I'm in the river, and I'm not sure if anybody else thinks my life matters. Well, there's a rock in that river that says, you matter. You matter. You are glorious because he is glorious. Here's the thing that I keep driving you to if I can is there's a status. There is an immovable status that is ours by faith. It's the status of the firstborn. It's the status of the favored one. It's the status of the accepted and approved one. And it doesn't matter if you're male or female, if you come from rich or poor. It doesn't matter what your culture is. If you are in Christ, you have the status of the firstborn. He is the rock. See, sometimes what's happened in my life is I've wanted him to make me the rock. So that I... Don't get hurt. And so that nothing affects me. Or sometimes I see people who say, if you have enough faith, you'll become the rock. Then you'll never have health issues. You'll never have financial issues. I believe that he's the rock. And that sometimes all those other issues are necessary for me to distinguish between myself and my rock. So I begin to understand how to call upon the rock that is higher than I. Is this making sense to you? Well, I love this aspect. Just Jesus says there is glory. And it was his mission to reveal the glory of the Father. The root of our cultural crisis, the root of our personal crisis is the issue of glory. God does not send us into the world to talk about God in general but about Jesus Christ as the way to God in particular. Would you, would you declare that with me, that this is our mission? Our mission isn't simply to say there's a God. It's to say there is a way to God through Jesus, and there is only a way to God through Jesus. Would you say this? God does not send us into the world to talk about God in general, but Jesus Christ as the way to God in particular. Now, there's, there's a passage here that I think I skipped over it most of the time, and this week has just blown me away. In verse 10, Jesus says, I receive my glory from them. Come on. Think about this with me. It'll burn in you a little bit. His glory is in some way in relationship to the way you live, talk, Experience, decide, choose, value. What you think matters makes a difference in the level of glory that Jesus experiences. He said it. I didn't say it. If you look at, if you look at all the translations, it all comes down to this. He says, I receive glory, my glory, from them. In other words, your mission in life has a direct correlation to the way that the very glory of the Son of God is experienced and revealed. And He's counting on you. Can you imagine the Son of God counting on us 
depending in some sense on us. That kind of blows me away. That whole verse blows me away. It makes no sense. Because we know us. We can screw up glory like nobody's business. You give us a choice between permanent and temporary, we go for the temporary. You give us a choice of being honest or lying, we lie. You give us a choice between money and people, we choose money. Look at our credit card bills. We even choose money we don't have. verse is blowing me away. Lord, you're saying that something of your glory depends on me, is received from me. It's almost too much to think about. Well, what happens is that the Holy Spirit comes in and awakens you. See, this isn't about moral Performance isn't about behavior. As a matter of fact, your behavior is simply the manifestation that God has that he wants to show you your heart with. Now, if I, grew up in a, I grew up in a very difficult, abusive family, very dysfunctional family. And, and one of the things that, that used to happen, and it's clear to see, I can look at it with my father, and then it came out in me as well, but my father would always be angry with me if I did not perform up to what he expected. And his punishment often was tremendously painful. And I was thinking this morning of, of an experience where we had a Volkswagen, a 72 Super Beetle, for any of you that care. But they used to have the engine in the back, and it was really hard to change the oil. And it cost a lot of money, so my father would change the oil in this, in this Volkswagen. So my father goes, okay, today... You drive this more than me, so you're going to change the oil. Well, I am intuitive about a lot of things, but I am not very intuitive when it comes to changing the oil. Plus, I had found that incompetence kept me out of a lot of tasks that I didn't want to do. <laughs> and so my father just gives me the wrench and says, do it, and he doesn't tell me how to do it or what to do it. So my first action completely strips the screw and totally destroys the whole oil drum and everything. My father took that wrench from me, and I can remember he wanted to kill me with that wrench. And, I, and, and I, as that experience happened to me, I, I, I realized my father did not care about my heart. He only cared about my behavior. And he valued controlling my behavior more than he valued controlling his anger. It's a question of glory. See, what mattered to him was my behavior. And what happened to me is, and, and my father and I have reconciled, and he says he's sorry every time he sees me and, and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, but here's the thing is that I started to believe God was like my father. That if I messed up, that if I screwed up, that if I made mistakes, that if I sinned, that he had a wrench about to brain me with it. 
even to this day, after 56 years, if I'm sitting and my back is to someone and they come in real rapidly and they're kind of loud or whatever, I tense up. Because that used to happen. He would come in and just start wailing on them. And, and, and you see, what, what, what happens is you and I are not only the products of what we think is glory. We're the products of what other people think is glory as well. And what we have to do is realign what we believe is glorious, what we think matters, what we believe has weight to the heart of the Father. Here's what I've learned. The Father's really not that interested in your behavior. He's interested in your heart. He allows you. He's a very, uh, he's a very good Father who allows you to discover how stupid you really are. He'll let you go down the dead end. He'll let you be on your own mission. He'll let you see the emptiness of that mission. This guy one time was a, a coach of mine for uh, church planting, and he told the story of how uh, he took his family from Florida to Colorado, and he had young kids, and the kids got up in January in Colorado with snow on the ground, and they came running down the stairs to go to the bus, to go to school, and they had on flip-flops, shorts, and T-shirts. And he thought to himself, should I tell them or should I let them discover? Now, I, I have to say to you, I couldn't have done that. I was one of those fathers who said, are you kids nuts? Go up there and get your coats on. It's cold outside. But you know what that does? It makes you responsible every day. Now you have to find out what the weather is. You have to fight with them over their coats because your control issues are now being projected on theirs. But this guy was genius. He goes, let them find out. <laughs> so these Florida kids run out into the Colorado snow and they come back in and they go, Dad, it's freezing out there. And they run upstairs, and they put all their clothes on, and their coats on. He said, for the rest of their days, they checked to see what the weather was <laughs> before they went outside. Well, guess what? Your heavenly Father is a Father who allows you to discover the dead ends of your life. So what am I, what am I driving at here? But when the Holy Spirit starts to work, he begins to adjust what you weigh as important. He begins to adjust what you begin to believe matters. For example, if you've got an issue that is a behavior that's shameful or a behavior, behavior that's immoral or a behavior that's, that's destroying you, the Holy Spirit doesn't come in and say, stop that. What he does is he says, does that really matter? Does that have weight? Is that permanent? Is this something you want to give your life to? And then he shows you his glory. You see, all of us in this room have shameful secrets. We have things that we're attracted to. We don't necessarily want anybody else to know, but we have things that we're attracted to. And those things we have in a mistaken way, given glory to. The perfectionist gives glory to their own ability to perform. 
The person who lives in anxiety has given glory to their ability to keep from failing. They've given glory to their fear of death. They've given glory to their fear of what other people will think of them. They've given weight to pleasing others or in some way getting themselves into a position where they think they are worthy of praise. They have given weight to things that are dead ends. They have given weight to things that destroy. Even if your aholism is workaholism, it will destroy you because at the end of the day, there's still more work to do. And anybody's perfectionism, at the end of the day, you still know you didn't complete your list. And there is a supernatural enemy who will remind you. See, what the Spirit of God does is he doesn't come in and simply say, stop that masturbating. Stop that pornography. He says, look, that's not glorious. That's not what you were made for. That is temporary relief that's taking you down a path of destruction and keeping you from the permanence of a love relationship in your marriage. Keeping you from being able to be intimate with friends, being able to be one with others because you live believing that fantasy is glorious instead of reality being glorious. It is hard for God to break through the bondage of fantasy with the reality of his glory. But God is doing that. And he's saying to you, here's something better. I've learned, I've learned you, can, you can suppress, you can repress, but you're not free. When you restrain something, it's still there. It has a leash, maybe. And in some ways, that's better than not restraining it. Don't misunderstand. He said, don't be restrained today. Don't hear me say that. I'm saying to you, be free. Get free. Do not be satisfied with restraint. Be free. Do not put your anxiety under wraps. Do not put your anger under wraps. Take it out in the presence of the Holy Spirit and let him show you his glory. And then you will say, you know what? That doesn't matter so much. Here's what, here's, here's what I have seen as I've walked down this path with the Spirit. Is the things where the Satan could destroy me were things that I made into glory. Like I said, I have to have this much money. Well, if I say that I have to have this money, much money to be worth, have worth or value, then Satan can just destroy me. Or if I have to have this house. Or I have to have this car. Or I have to be healthy. Or I have to be strong. Or I have to be that life goes the way I say it ought to go. If I'm saying any of those things and giving glory to things that are not glorious, then Satan can tweak those things and keep me in bondage. But see, when, I, when my treasure is the glory of God, he can't touch that. In some ways... This is a little scary to say in a way, but in some ways you say, come on, river. I've been through class four, and the rock held me. I've been through class five, and the rock held me. Do your worst. I will still hold on to the same rock. I'm not saying be flippant. 
I'm saying, though, the rock holds no matter how strong the river is. Well, I think you're with me on that. Here's, here's what Jesus is saying in this prayer. He says, he sent us into the world to glorify him. He revealed the glory of the Father. Our mission is to reveal the glory of the Son. As a matter of fact, the same mission that he gives to us is the very same mission he gave to his spirit. So we become participants with his spirit to do what he has given his spirit to do. Now, I, 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 I like the idea of putting things into threes. Okay, there's probably more here, but... I grew up Presbyterian. We always put things into threes, all right? Three points. I don't have a poem today, but uh, three points, all right? So if you want to glorify Jesus, here's the three things you got to do, and they need to be true of you. The first is, if you know and have experienced the beauty of the glory of Christ, then you've got to talk about it. You cannot keep silent of something you truly believe matters. Listen to me. There are people who are walking along with their headphones in their ears listening to songs. And as soon as one becomes glorious to them, they go, listen to this. Even if you don't want to listen to it, they'll still say, listen to this. There are times my wife goes, mm, this is good when she's eating something. Have a bite. <laughs> she can't help but share what is glorious. You know, on the other hand, even when something is odious, we share it. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that somebody goes, oh, this smells terrible. Taste it. <laughs> there's, a, there's a drink at the Coca-Cola Museum. There's like a, hundreds of different Coca-Cola products. There's this one drink that tastes like uh, rancid cough syrup. And everybody goes, taste this. And yet, if Christ Jesus is what matters most, why wouldn't I say, taste this? Now, there are some today that are saying, you know, you don't need words. Yes, you do. The Bible is clear. People don't come to God through nature. They don't get saved by how beautiful the world is. That points to the fact there is a creator, but he is not knowable through his creation. He is only knowable through revelation. Now, don't be obnoxious. I can't stand those signs on the road saying, turn or burn, or, or you're going to hell if you don't come to our church, or... Any of that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm sitting there going, oh, man, that makes me want to come to Jesus right now. Actually, it makes me want to run over you and send you to Jesus right now. That's not glorious. It's ugly. It is the very thing that, that smacks of not Jesus. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I'm saying... That if you have the glory, if you've tasted the glory, then there should be the way you live, there should be something in the way you live that is inexplicable apart from the Holy Spirit. There should be something about you, not just your morality, not just your, you know, not just your religiosity, but actually there's something about you that people can't explain except to say, that's the Holy Spirit. 
We had a lady who came to church here some years ago and was in a very abusive marriage, would actually show up with bruises on her body on a Sunday morning. And there was this wonderful Christian sister who would minister to her. We all ministered, but there was this one wonderful Christian sister who ministered to her. And, and the lady said about this Christian sister, I want to be like her. She has something that I want. All I'm saying to you is that when the glory grabs you, when the glory fills you, when you begin to make choices for glory. In other words, anxiety is not glorious, friends. Anger is not glorious. Depression, not glorious. Control, perfectionism, workaholism, all of those things, they're not beautiful. They're explicable. You can explain them. You can say, look, life is hard. You live in New York. Life is hard. Life is tough. But when you live here and it's your mission and you live in the glory, you're not sitting there every day going, how am I going to pay my mortgage? You're not every day saying, how are we going to have enough money for food? Because you know the rock. And the rock is not transformed by the river. The river is transformed by the rock. You know, Think about this with me. The same Jesus who cast all of the money changers out of the temple and who had the fire of God to cast them out of the temple was the same Jesus when he sat down and every child wanted to be near him. The same Jesus who let the religious leaders have it, he was the very one that the prostitutes wanted to be near and say, how do I get saved? Well, the last one is this. I, I read this passage for a reason. It says, for their sake, Jesus said, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified. What does he mean by that? He says, well, what he's saying is the mission will cost you something. For Jesus, it cost him everything. You will never have to pray, pay the price Jesus paid because he paid that price. But there is a price that has to be paid. There is a sacrifice. And in some ways... Without the sacrifice, then the mission is, is, is just floating. There's some, some aspect where we begin to see there's a resistance. Like, there, like you try to pray, and instead of blessing, you get curses. You pray for healing, and you get sicker. You come to the altar and say, Lord, I promise to do better, and it gets worse. There's resistance. There's a spiritual resistance. What Jesus said is, I'm going to make it so that there are no hooks in me that Satan can hook on to. And here's what he's asking of you, is that when you see the hooks, you give them to him who has no hooks in him. And instead of trying to be hook-free, you begin to say, I belong to one who is hook-free. Because you can't, you, you, those of you who live in Nyack, there are sexual hooks all over Nyack. There are witchcraft hooks all over Nyack. Those of us who live in New City, there's materialism hooks all over the place here. There's adultery all over the place here. There's horrible family relationships. All, there are hooks all over the place. You go to other parts, there's racism hooks, and there's, there's, uh, there's poverty hooks, and there's all kind of hooks everywhere. And what you're saying, what Jesus is saying, if you're going to be on mission with me, you have to be hook-free like me. Does that make sense to you? But you're not going to be hook-free because you go, start pulling them out. You're going to be hook-free because when you see how you're hooked, you let him set you free. And you say, 
you know what? That thing I was hooked to, it's not glorious. It does not have permanence. And even if you fail again, you still go, same remedy. The glory of God, the glory of God, the glory of God. I, I know, I mean, there's, not, there's nothing wrong with people trying to be better or people trying to comply. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's ultimately nothing really worthwhile in that. What matters is when you say, he is glorious and I am in him. And this is my life and my mission to reveal his glory, for there to be things in me so inexplicable apart from him. And I'm willing to pay the cost for glory. Does this resonate with you? Would you do this? Will you stand with me? I want to respond to this. I feel, I personally feel a heaviness of the Lord upon these two words, glory and mission. And so one today you might be saying, I want to get into the glory part. Okay, I want to experience his glory. And others of you, you're saying, you know what, that's clarifying to me. This is my mission, to reveal the glory of Jesus, and I'm signing up afresh. I'm renewing covenant with my mission. Whichever it is, would you, would you bow your heads for a minute? I just want to, I want to ask you to make a move here with me, okay? I'm not trying to manipulate. I'm trying to see what is revealed in this moment. But if, if it's a glory thing and you're saying, I've had things in my life that I've been hooked to, things that I know don't matter, they're not weighty, they're not the rock. You know, in that same river where the rock didn't move, giant limbs and branches could be pushed along people could be pushed along boats were pushed along but the rock was immovable i'm asking you today if today's the day and you say i'm hooking on to the rock i'm 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 going to the rock that is higher than i just want you to i want to see for a minute if that is hitting home with somebody if that's where you're at would you put your hand up for me just just say i'm the rock this is where the glory of God, the weight of God, the, what matters to me is Jesus. Is Jesus. His glory. Now, now, here's the thing. As you're holding on to that, you're letting go of other things. Nothing, nothing else matters. You know, you're letting go and letting Him protect your house. You're letting Him protect your finances. You're recognizing that you can't hold on to the rock and anxiety at the same time. Because you see, your anxiety tells you what you glorify. What you're anxious about is what you're glorifying. When you let it go, it no longer is your glory. See, when, you, when you're giving yourself to sexual immorality, you're glorifying sex as your God. you got to let go and let, hold on to the rock. The river is strong. What comes at you is a current that's powerful, but the rock holds steady. Hold on to that right now. Hold on to it. Would you pray this prayer with me? Lord, I let go of all the things that do not have weight, that are not permanent, that I have given glory to, I repent. I take hold of the rock 
Jesus, you are my rock. The river is flowing, but my rock will not move. Here's what I'd like you to do. All this week, when you see the river flowing, picture the rock. Go on your computer, find a rock and a river, whatever you need, and just proclaim, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Now the second thing is, and I know it's two things and I'm trusting you with this, but it's your job to make this known. You don't want your friends going down that river with no rock, with no weight, with no glory. You want to pull them to safety. Would you take that as your mission? If that makes sense to you, say, say this with me. My mission is to reveal the glory of Jesus, the exalted Christ, the anointed one, With my words, with my life, with my sacrifice. It's interesting when you start laying things down and Satan can't touch those anymore. How blessing starts to flow more freely. When you glory in your blessings, your blessings become idols. And the enemy can destroy you through your blessings. But when God is your blessing and God is your glory and Jesus is all that matters, the weight in the river, then Satan can't touch it. Lord, we seal what you're doing today in the name of Jesus. I've got some prayer ministers. Would you come up, elders, prayer ministers? I think some of you need to pray this out loud with somebody before you go. Just make a commitment to the Lord here. Declare his glory to somebody else. Particularly if the river's flowing pretty fast, maybe it's your health, your finances, whatever it is, would you just come and bring it to one of our... Uh, the, the Bible says, if any two of you agree as touching anything, I will do it. Today is a day of blessing. I feel his spirit in a heavy way with us today. Would you come and just, just revel in his glory right now? In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and have a great week.